Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And I'm going to actually read into the Sermon on the Mount just to help us think about what is what is going to be happening beyond these verses and as we go into this evening. Um, and just as a reminder, Matthew's writing this gospel to let his, his audience in the first place is a Jewish audience, and it's to let them know that the kingdom is near and that Christ this Jesus of Nazareth is king. That's the purpose of Matthew's gospel. To let everyone know that Jesus is king. And we see that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. That the father upon his baptism declares from the heavens, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness driven by the spirit to be tempted by Satan. And while he's in the, in the, in the wilderness, he does something Adam could not do. While Adam was in the luscious garden, he fell to the temptation of Satan. While Jesus, the second Adam, was in the wilderness, hungry for 40 days, overcome the temptation of Satan. This is showing us that Jesus is this king that we've been waiting on. And then we see that he makes his way out. He goes up north to Galilee because John the Baptist has been arrested by Herod. So Jesus flees, and as we discussed a couple weeks ago, he fled to Galilee because his goal was not to get arrested, but to have his ministry and then take himself to Jerusalem to let himself be arrested, tried, and crucified. But then we get to verse 23, and let's read Matthew 4, 23 through, and we'll read a little bit into 5. And we went through, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons and having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea. And from beyond the Jordan. And seeing the crowd, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. Blessed are those who, who are persecuted for righteous righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Quick prayer. Father, I give thanks today for the word of God. I give thanks for the word made flesh. 
And we give thanks and praise for the Holy Spirit, the promise that you have given to us uh, through faith in Jesus. And I ask that as we go forward for the rest of our time together, that by the power of your Spirit, you would uh, carry us, that you would open our eyes, uh, would you open our minds, that you would cause us to understand and to be more like Jesus and to love and exalt him more. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So as we look at uh, verse 23, uh, there's a lot to talk about um, thinking about Scripture as a whole, Uh, especially for the church and the ministry of the gospel. I want us to understand if we call ourselves Christians, we have been listed, as we all know the song, we've been, been enlisted in the Lord's army. We are... We have been called not to sit back and to watch, but to struggle, to work, to toil, to be a part of what Jesus is doing in verse 23. Now, if you look at verse 23, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to stop there. That doesn't sound like a lot. But Jesus is at work. Jesus is physically at work. He's spiritually at work. And I read that when it says that he went throughout all Galilee teaching in the synagogues, uh, there's a, an old Jewish historian, Josephus, and he says there was about 200 little towns that he could have went to. 200, just in Galilee. And he went through these towns teaching and proclaiming, preaching, and you might say to me, well, that doesn't sound like that hard of work. I'm going to tell you what. If you're enlisted in gospel ministry and you look to preach, to proclaim, to teach Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom of God, somebody's going to be working against you. And it starts right here. It starts in this body of death, this flesh. The world and Satan, it's work. The gospel, the ministry of the gospel is hard work. And Jesus is in the depths of it, working, struggling, toiling. You consider Paul. Paul tells us about it. He tells us in Colossians that um, he is struggling with all the strength and might of God, toiling and suffering, proclaiming, warning, teaching. And he needs the might and strength of the Lord, and it is a struggle and toil and tiresome. But then you get to thinking, but we're talking about Jesus here, right? Can he really be worn out? Can he really get tired? Is this hard work for him? Why Think back to the wilderness. Think about what he did. He fasted for 40 days. What good is it to fast if you don't need to eat? Jesus, while we exalt him as God, rightfully so, we cannot forget that he was truly man. That Christ did not, as we said a couple weeks ago, contribute to his own physical death. But yet he had to deal with the sufferings 
the things that we have to deal with as people. If he did not eat, he would have died. If he did not drink, he, uh, he, he fasted, he did this, but he had to have sustenance. We see as he goes about and throughout the Gospels, and he's healing and teaching. What does it say he does every now and then? He sneaks off for a little rest. Jesus was out to work, to proclaim the kingdom of, the, of heaven, to preach the gospel. And so with this, I want us to think about a couple things. One, about work in general. And two, about work in the gospel ministry. Work in general and to the gospel ministry. Do you know that biblically we have to understand that work is hard? The Bible tells us that work will be hard. And to not seek to work hard is to not be Christ-like. To try to seek life to be easy, to, not re- to be able to receive without putting in effort is ungodly. Christ did not do anything without working and effort. You gotta remember, God made us to work. He put Adam in the garden to work. But then Adam made it harder on himself. In sin, God cursed his work. God cursed the ground and said, now it's really gonna be tough. So we have to understand as followers of Christ that we cannot skirt around hard work. That we cannot try to get by with the easiest thing and just get whatever we can receive from whoever we can receive it without hard work. To not work hard, to not want to work, is ungodly. Now, and and with that, Jesus, Paul tells us that whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So tomorrow morning, when you get up and you go to work, or you go to school, or you're raising your family, remember that you are to do all things to the glory of God. All things. But now I want to Think about hard work for the gospel. Hard work for the gospel. And we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute. Are you, are you struggling for the sake of Jesus? Are you working for the kingdom of heaven? I mean, it's really easy to get up tomorrow and to go to work, that's hard in itself. Or to raise your children. But what we can't distract, get distracted is, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and get lost in your work. Sure. I'm going to go and raise my children tomorrow and get lost in raising your children. And not forget, as a follower of Christ, you are doing those things for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the kingdom. And so while I say a follower of Christ is a hard worker, hard worker does not equal a follower of Christ. Does that make sense? 
You can go to work tomorrow and work your tail end off and provide for your family, which is a godly thing. But if you forsake the work for the kingdom of God, which you can do at your work tomorrow, which you can do as you raise your children, which you can do when you go to the grocery store, if you forsake the kingdom of God, the work of the ministry of Jesus, you work in vain. Go read Ecclesiastes. You toil in vanity. It's useless. And so my question is, does your hard work within this world, is it for the glory of God? We'll move on. We're going to be quick this morning, I promise. But what I want us to see in Jesus' work, He's working in His teaching and His preaching. His teaching and His preaching. Now we see also, let's not forget, and we'll talk about this tonight, His healing. Now, I can't imagine the work that goes into that. But today, this morning, I want us to just think about teaching, or as your, your, your translation may say, proclaiming. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming. Now here, I want you to understand something. Those two things are not the same. Teaching and preaching aren't the same. They have, they're kind of going in the same direction. They have the same goal but they're two totally different things. Now, you may not realize, but when I'm sitting up here, I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to teach, and I'm trying to preach or proclaim. Now, I want us to think about first the proclaim, and we've talked about this before, the preach, the preaching, and it's the public crier. It's, it's the word that is used for someone who has received a message from someone, and they go out to deliver the message. They don't get to add to it. They don't get to take away from it. They don't get to put little bows and frills on it. They receive the message and they go and they say it. That is preaching. That is proclaiming. We are here to proclaim the gospel. And guess what? You don't have to be a paid preacher to preach the gospel. If that was the only person or people who were proclaiming the gospel, who we'd be in a world of hurt. You know, the, there, I don't want to say most churches, but most, most churches these days, to look to the proclaiming of the gospel, the people in the crowds, the people in the seats, they don't look that, hey, that's the preacher's job. I'm going to tell you what, if you're relying on me to talk to your neighbors, if you're relying on me to talk to the cashier at the grocery store when you're checking out, if you're relying on me to, to take it to your kids, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fail you, all of you. And these pews will never fill up. The kingdom of God would never grow. We're all to be ambassadors for Christ. We're all to proclaim the gospel. You know, and this is to be the work of us as a church, Ozarks Bible Church. To guard the good deposit. We've been given something, this treasure that we, we sell all for. 
We've been given this gospel of Jesus Christ, and we, as Ozarks Bible Church, we have to guard it. Because if you look out, if you look outside in other places, the gospel has become unclear. It's become watered down. It's become, let's get you to heaven. And it's not about grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. We, as a local assembly, must guard against losing the gospel. But we also have to understand that that can begin in our own hearts. That we could get easy and soft. That we guard it and we share it and we proclaim it. Romans 1 tells us that the gospel is the power of God. Now get this, the gospel that Jesus is proclaiming in Galilee and that we should be proclaiming, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Now, not your method, not your kindness and giving to people, not in how you treat people. Now, you can shed light on the gospel and how you act towards others, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is the it is the 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 power behind anyone's salvation and for us to think that we can get our children to be raised in Christ that we can get uh, these seats to fill with true believers and that we are not taking the gospel to the communities the way Jesus walked from town to town in Galilee proclaiming this gospel to repent Not just, I want you to know that you can go to heaven. Jesus came and said, you must repent and believe. You must turn from your sin and trust in me. We must, as Ozarks Bible Church, this must be our about, we must go about this business and I, uh, as we won't go there, but as homework, go read Romans 10 this evening. 13 and on, verse 13 and on. And what you see is the means by which God uses the gospel. Just quick summary. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he he then says, but how will they call on him if they do not know about him? And that, well, they need a preacher. Well, how will they have a preacher if they're not sent? So here's something else that we can consider at Ozarks Bible Church, is that we are considering not just proclaiming the gospel, but raising up people, sending people. Some of you might be sitting here, might be future pastors, might be future missionaries. And it is our job, the local church, to raise you up and to send you. And so we must be cultivating. We must be... This is where all that discipleship comes in that we keep coming back to. We must be teaching one another. We must be loving one another, helping, encouraging one another. And as, the, as God calls upon some of us maybe to take his gospel to India or maybe to uh, Sharp County, you go and we send. 
And then they hear. And by faith, hearing the Word, comes faith. This must, what we must be about, proclaiming the Gospel. Now, quickly, teaching. He's teaching. So what is it? What's the difference? Well, proclaiming and preaching is giving the message that you've got, that you received. You're not, you're not doing anything, but hey, go tell them this. Okay, I'm going to go tell them this. Teaching, if someone's teaching you, what are you doing? Learning. Learning. So here's one thing we got to make sure we understand, is that Christianity, and I don't know how this has happened, but that Christianity and following Christ, we've somehow taken the idea of having a brain out of it. We don't come as followers of Christ without learning. That's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is a learner who is following someone and understanding and learning from that person. So I, we have to know that our minds, our minds and anyone's minds are super important. Jesus is going about teaching this kingdom. If someone is going to set up a kingdom, do you not think they're, they're going to set the laws, the legislation, that they're going to set up what this kingdom is about? Well, if you just come into this kingdom, you don't know anything about it. So Christ is calling people to the kingdom of God through repentance and faith, but then he's teaching them about this kingdom. Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going to get to. That's what we're going to get to. And everything else that Jesus has taught. See, we, we've got to understand that God made us with a brain. Right? Yeah. He made us with brains. He, huh? <laughs> he made us thinking people. But here's the problem. To, to Brother Dave's point. Um, one, our brain is finite. Meaning, it can't hold all of the information that we actually need. God's, God's wisdom is infinite. Our brains are finite. So it would be good that God would teach us something, right? Amen. However, we also have to consider that in Genesis... When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, something happened to them. You see, it says in Genesis that before they ate of the fruit, they could not see. But when they ate of that fruit, it says, and then they could see. And it wasn't a good thing. Something happened to them, to their nature, to their being, to their brain, their will, their emotions... Everything was affected by sin coming in. And so have your brains. So have your will. So is your emotions. All affected by sin. So we have brains. They're finite, but they're also fallen. There's is this word depraved. They're no good. Not, not that you cannot have a good thought. Not that you cannot have a good emotion but the totality of your mind and your emotions and your will have been tainted by sin. Now, if this is the case, this is what Jesus is wanting to do when he comes to Galilee. And this is what we want to do as a church is the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel redeems the mind. The Spirit of God, we talk about the heart a lot, 
But when we talk about the heart, we're just, it, we're not really just like your, your heart or your, or your mind. We're, you can't separate your heart and your mind. So one thing we have to stop, probably stop saying is, well, they got it in their head. They just don't have it in their heart. Well, if you got it in your heart, it had to go through your head, right? So we, we think that, oh, we don't want to teach because it would just be head knowledge. Well, I got bad news. If you're going to understand the gospel, you've got to hear it and take it in and consider it and think about it. We must teach as well as proclaim. Christ comes to redeem us from this depravity, from this sin, and that includes our mind. But guess what? Being brought into the kingdom of God, you still don't know anything about it. You need to learn. Do not, do not live a life saying I'm a Christian and not want to know more about your Lord. Not want to know more about the kingdom of God. We, I, I read it this morning before Sunday school. Paul always is praying that they what? Not that they be happier. Not that they have, uh, not that they have more fun. But they grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. That they grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that... They may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You want to walk worthy of the Lord? You need to learn about the Lord. There's no two ways about it. If you want to live a life pleasing to God, you must be open and willing to learn about Him and His kingdom. And it starts with the gospel. See, there's where we, there's where, there's all these traps we can get into. All these traps we could be like, yes, we want to learn, we want to learn, we want to learn. But you forget about your first love. You forget about the grace that is greater than all your sins. But hey, I got this doctrine. I know this. I know this. I know that. You separate those two things, the gospel of Jesus Christ from all of this head knowledge, you will be in trouble. We take, we take. We, not, we do not remove the gospel from what we do, what we teach, and how we preach, and how we live. It is the beginning, the foundation, and we always, always come back to it. We always come back to it. Now, let's close this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that, that, that few verses we read while we were singing 2 Timothy chapter 2. Everybody turn there with me. We're going to close in this passage this morning. And when we come back tonight, we will get into uh, Jesus healing, the crowds following, and then looking a little bit as an overview into Matthew chapter 5, or Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, this is a good illustration of helping us understand the proclamation of the gospel, teaching, but also how we are to work about it and how we as individuals, but also as a church are supposed to go about this. And I want you to see, I want you to see this starting in verse one and two. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, okay, first off, it's going to take some strength 
not your own, but God's. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And let me just let you know that when he says the grace that is in Christ Jesus, you don't even deserve to be around this strength. You don't even deserve to have any of this might. But by the grace of Christ Jesus, I'm praying that he gives you this strength. Now look, and what you have heard. So Paul is telling Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men. Okay, so Timothy is an elder of a church. He's a pastor. And Paul is saying, you, Timothy, you take what I taught you, now you teach it and entrust to other men. We must do this. We must do this. At home, here, Everywhere. But but specifically, that should be what we're about, of passing on the teachings of Christ that Paul received from Jesus, that Paul sent to Timothy, and on and on and on. Now we have been entrusted, and this is on me too, that I must be looking and helping to entrust the, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God to other men who could come and just, I can sit down and you can do it. And when that happens, guess what? We can send you somewhere else. We can send you to Sharp County. We can send you to Uganda. We must, we must be willing to train, to teach others to go and do. Hey, you might take my spot and I might go to Uganda. But this is the point, is that we are continuing to entrust into others the work of the ministry. Uh, now, verse, this isn't the fun part. Verse 3, or it doesn't seem like the fun part. So as you're doing this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Jesus suffered as he walked through Galilee. He did. As he walked for these few years of his ministry, he suffered in the ministry. He suffered in the proclamation, the teaching, and that was culminate, and that culminated in his suffering upon the cross. Share in the suffering as a good soldier. Now I want you to see the three examples, and we've just read one. The three examples of the types of profession that Paul equates gospel ministry to. And tell me if it seems easy. Share in the sufferings as a good soldier. Of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Number two, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Those aren't three easy occupations. Now, I know people who try to escape reality of working and say, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to join the military, or oh, I'm going to be a farmer, or oh, I'm going to be an athlete. You cannot excel. You cannot do those three things without hard work and sacrifice. Jesus was working hard in Galilee for the sake of the kingdom of God. Are we? Have we been enlisted, as it says, but we aren't looking to 
uh, are we getting entangled in civilian pursuits? Have you forgot what you were enlisted for? Or are you looking about the world and finding other things and getting stuck in those things? Let me finish. Verse 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. You want motivation? There it is. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. What a statement. Dwell on that this week. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The offspring of David, as we've said, Matthew's telling us he's the king of this kingdom. As preached in my gospel. Notice what he's doing. He's preaching the gospel. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. I... Therefore, look at verse 10. Remember Jesus risen from the dead? I am suffering, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain what? Salvation. That is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What type of Christian are we, if we have obtained this salvation, but care for no one else to obtain it? Let me say that again. What kind of Christian are we if we have obtained this salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory and we do not want others to obtain it? What Paul is just saying is, I know when I step out tomorrow, when I step out today to work for the kingdom, to teach the truths of Scripture, to share and proclaim the gospel, God will accomplish His work through the Word, through the work of His saints. It's going to be accomplished. So you can walk out today and be confident that if you suffer for the sake of Christ, His work will will be done. Because he says it will be. Just like in John 10, when he says, my sheep hear my voice. You go out and proclaim that word. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. You get frustrated because you've told this guy over and over and over again. You've reminded him of the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints in Jesus Christ. And you've been working on him for three years. Guess what? If he's a sheep, he will follow. And it's not on you, it's not on me to bear that burden to make him follow. You proclaim the message. And you love and my sheep will hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. 2,000 years ago, Jesus did this. He walked through the mountains of Galilee. He walked along the, the, the seashore of, uh, of the lake and his sheep heard. 
and they followed. Today, same process. The only difference is he has graciously enlisted us to be a part of that. And I pray that that is what we seek to do, to work for Christ. Are you going to work tomorrow to make ends meet? Yeah, we are. But guess what? You will never meet that end. What a profit a man if he gained the whole world and he loses soul. Are you seeking the reward in this life? Or have you found the eternal reward in Christ Jesus? Are you an ambassador for him? God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin in order that we might be the righteousness of God. Do you know that truth, that reality? If you don't, but God has pricked your heart, you turn to him in faith and repentance. You cry out for mercy to the one who bore your burden and carried your sin. And by his wounds, you may be healed through faith and faith alone. And if you know that and you have been reconciled, you are an ambassador. That's not my words. That's, that's Bible. You're an ambassador, a messenger of reconciliation to proclaim what Christ has done. Let's pray.